ILT, guess what? You have an awesome speaker today. It is Pastor Marcus, your own campus pastor. Not only is he a great pastor, he's a phenomenal speaker. He's coming right now to bring a message that I know you're going to love. Do me a favor, welcome one of my favorite people in the world, Marcus Piller. He says that about everybody, right? <laughs> hey, welcome to JFC. My name is Marcus, and it is so great to be here on the last weekend of 2013. Can you guys believe it? I mean, it is. Well, some of you can, some of you can't. Some of you are happy, some of you aren't. Well, it's, uh, to me, it's just mind-boggling to think that 2013, in just a few days, is going to be over. And just the fact of how fast it is gone is just, it's crazy. And we're going to talk a little, bit, a little bit about that today. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to just remind everybody that uh, because the end of the year is coming up here in just a few days, we, uh, in order for you to get credit for any giving for 2013, you need to make sure that your giving is inside of our doors before 11.59.59 on the 31st. So we are legally obligated to make sure that all money that is given in 2013 is accredited to you for 2013, and the day that 2014 hits, all the money that you give is going to be accredited to 2014. So if there is a gift that you wanted to give, or you had tithes and offerings that you wanted to bring and you missed it this weekend or whatnot, you got a few days left, you can come and bring it to any of our locations, any of our campuses or our offices. You can slip it in the door. We're going to be, uh, if we're not here physically, make sure, just know that we will come and we will collect all of that. It is all safe. It's all good. But if you want it on 2013, then you need to make sure it gets into the doors before 2014 hits. So with that, we're going to jump into our message, but I always like to just pray when we jump into them, set the foundation appropriately, give glory to God, and just invite his spirit here. So would you guys pray with me? Father, we love you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We come and we exist here in this place and do what we do because we want to lift the name of Jesus high above all others. And so that's the foundation that we set. Everything is based upon your son, Jesus. Everything is based upon the love that you have given us, Lord God. And I pray that we would just honor you in every single thing that we do, that it would not just be about worship or song, and that it would not just be about a message, but it would be about what your Holy Spirit wants to speak to our hearts. May you use me, may you use this time, Lord God, may you open our hearts to what you want to speak and what you want to say. We give you this opportunity in your name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Well, Pastor John mentioned on the intro that we're in our Campus Pastor Weekend. And for those of you who don't know what that is, we, do, we have four locations, uh, like Pastor Ben said. Um, and at each one of those locations, we have Campus Pastors. And so a couple times a year, we as Campus Pastors teach a message to our congregation. So we're the Campus Pastors here at Lone Tree. And so I get the privilege to speak to the most beautiful crowd of all of JFC um, here at Lone Tree. That's right. Um, specifically because my wife is sitting here in the front row. So she brings it all up a whole new level. Um, so, not that you guys are ugly, but I am, so <laughs> she evens us out. Um, but here's the reality of the situation. We, we, a couple times a year, we, we get together, we talk about Campus Pastor Weekend, we come up with a very general idea, broad-based idea of what we want to teach about. And knowing that we are finishing out 2013, and we're about to enter into 2014, we thought, you know what, it's a really good time to be able to take, you know, half an hour and to be able to talk about looking back over the past year, what God has done, looking around to where we are in space and time right now, and looking forward into the new year and everything that God has for us in that place. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about that and then some things that God has really specifically had that have jumped out to me in that. Um, I, I know that you guys are probably like me. Every time we hit a new year, 2013, is, um, is the same as every other year, and it has sped up. It has been faster than the year before. 
I don't know what the weird dichotomy is. Maybe it's getting older. Maybe it's a growing family. Maybe it's just the busyness and the hustle and bustle of the world and the life that we live in. But I feel like every single year, the year goes by faster than the previous year. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like time is in fast forward. And every year that we step into, it's going faster and faster and faster. Well, I think that probably most of us are in that same boat. And when time continues to speed up like that, and when things are just happening, it's really hard. And very often, or quite often, we neglect to actually sit down and to take time to look back at everything that's happened to us. To look back and see all of the things that have happened to us over a year. Well, because we were teaching this message and because of where we were going and what we really felt like the Lord was saying to us, I had the opportunity to, t- to do that specific thing. I had the opportunity to sit down and just take some time and say, what has happened in my life in the last 12 months? And I was amazed to see all the different things that have happened in this last year. Not that I didn't recall them, but many of those things I didn't remember actually happened this year. So I wanted to share with you guys a couple of those things in my life personally, not because necessarily you can latch on to them, but because hopefully it inspires you to go back and to sit down and to look at your life over the last year and see all the things that have happened in your life. 2013 started out, um, obviously it starts out on January 1st, but on January 31st, my wife and I got to experience a great new blessing, the addition of our sixth child. Her name is Providence. So in 2012, my children looked like this. Got a picture of it somewhere. There you go. Five kids. That's 2012 at our Christmas Eve services. And in 2013, my family looked like this. Six kids. As you can see, our oldest daughter is holding the new edition. That was at Christmas Eve services, or just before Christmas Eve services, this year. She's almost one year old, but our year started off in 2013 with a great blessing and a new addition to our family. Um, a couple other things that have happened in my family this year. One was, many of you guys know, um, we have six children, obviously, now you know that. Um, but you also know that two years ago, in 2011... Um, We had our daughter Bronwyn was born with a condition called a congenital diaphragmatic hernia. When she was born, this is literally, I believe, the day that she was born, she looked like that. She was escorted from from Littleton Hospital up to Presbyterian St. Luke's Hospital that night. um, And a whole long process began in our lives. In fact, the reality of the situation is, and I won't belabor the point because I know I've talked about it before, but the reality of the situation is, is our daughter was born with this condition, and it was about a 50-50% survivability. About 50% of children that are born with this do not survive. And we knew we were in for the long haul. We didn't really know exactly what that looked like. But the reason I share that with you is because today, my daughter looks like this. <laughs> she, this year, was given a 100% clean bill of health. Absolutely. Doctors actually said to her, we've been walking for the past two years through processes of taking her to specialists and taking her to cardiologists and taking her to get shots in the winter so that she doesn't get RSV because it could kill her. And I mean, just a long two-year process that has drawn itself out, but it has come to the full conclusion that when we visited the doctors this year, they said, we never want to see her again. You treat her like a normal child. She, everything is fine and functioning the way that God has created it, and everything is good. And that was one of the greatest gifts that has ever been given to us, for sure, and one of the greatest things to be able to honor um, God for doing in her life. In 2012, I looked like this. 
Got a picture of it. In 2013, I look like this. Some of you are like, that looked way better. <laughs> Here's the reality of the situation. I'm growing my hair out. I think most, most of you could obviously recognize that. I know I looked more bald there, but I'm actually more bald right now. You just can't tell. There's been a lot of things that have happened in my life and in our lives over the last year. A couple more things that I wrote down. We, we experienced great leadership growth with ourselves personally, with our staff. We set out this year um, that once a month we were going to bring in somebody to come and teach to our staff, our pastoral staff here at the Lone Tree Campus, to grow us as leaders. We brought people outside of these church walls that are leaders in other industries and in another place and say, you know what, we want to learn from you. So we brought them in, and it's brought us great growth as leaders, but me personally especially. Through all of the ups and downs and all of the hills and the battles and the hurdles, I've gained a whole new desperation for God because of many of the experiences. But I've also been able to see God's supernatural provision in my life more than I've ever experienced. In 2013, had the great blessing of being able to travel with the church and my wife to Israel, but this year, we got to take our seven-year-old daughter. And so it was a whole new experience, because while I've been there, this is my third time to go to Israel, I was able to capture it in a whole new way through the eyes of a child and experience it in a whole new beauty with my wife, and just to be able to just really grasp everything that God has for that place. And it's something I will always remember, and it sets a marker in my life this year. In 2013, my wife and I set out to go and run a 5K, and we did it, and we survived. <laughs> Some of you are like, that is so weak. The reality is, as you can tell, I'm not like the smallest of men, and I'm not a runner. So for me to actually finish a 5K was an act of God in and of itself. About 15 seconds into it, I wanted to quit. So, but I'm here, and we made it. And in 2013, we personally had experienced, and I'll talk a little bit about that here in just a little bit, but we've experienced some great fruit from relational investments of people around us. And God has just been faithful. There's been so many amazing things, and there's been ups, and there's been downs. But as I look back over the year, it's just so important to be able to remember, to set markers in my life, to say, I want to remember these things. And unless we take time to slow time down, most of us will enter into 2014 and forget about everything that happened in 2013 and just move ahead. Well, I did the same thing for us as a church, and you guys could probably actually latch on to these a little bit more. I looked back over 2013 and said, God, what have you done in our church and in, rea in reality, what is, the, what is the body of people that sit in this room right now, what have they been part of in our church? And I think that you're going to find what has happened in 2013 here at JFC has been absolutely amazing. And this is just a short list. There's so many more things. But in 2013, we as a church took nine mission trips, and we brought 189 different people internationally to visit and to do ministry across the world. In 2013, once this year finishes out in just a few days, over a million dollars will have been invested in 53 different nations of this world to impact the kingdom of God globally. That came from you guys. Absolutely. It's worthy of a clap. There's many more things worthy of claps here. In, in 2013, you guys gave $40,000 to the flood relief of the victims who experienced great travesty here in our own state, just a few miles away. 
In 2013, again, very recently, you guys gave 1,600 gifts to less fortunate children who would not have had a Christmas this year through our Operation Christmas Tree, or Christmas Child and our Angel Tree outreaches. In 2013, we were able to, through your generosity, invest $50,000 in ministries of Israel, Christian ministries of Israel, people that are preaching the name of Jesus in that nation. In 2013, we had over 700 people from young kids all the way to grown adults attend camps and retreats and advances saying, you know what? I believe in investing in growing in my relationship with God, so I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. But the best number of all of these numbers, and the best thing that I believe God has done in our church this year is the number that we have had between 400 and 500 people in our congregation give their lives to the Lord and the doors of heaven have been opened to them. It is through the faithfulness of you and the people who sit in these seats that God has been able to do what he has done. We have taken what he's given us and we have planted seed and we have seen it grow and we have seen the life that has come from it. And I think it is very important for us to give honor and glory to God for what has happened this year, both in our lives personally and in our lives corporately as a church. And I want to challenge you, if you have not yet done this, take a moment, take 10 minutes, take half an hour and sit down. Maybe sit down with your spouse or sit down with your family or sit down with your kids or whatnot and just recount all the different things that have happened in your life over this last year. You're going to find you may shed some tears because many of us have walked through great difficulty this year. You're going to find that there's going to be times when you laugh and when you smile, but you're going to realize that this year was full of a lot of things. In fact, if you flip the television on right now, you'll probably find just about on every single channel on primetime television, they're doing this exact thing. They're recapping the year. The greatest news stories, the people who passed away this year, the big things that have happened, the markers that we are able to look back that made this year this year. And I think it's a very important thing. But we don't just look back, right? We don't just get stuck in looking back in the past, but we also got to recognize where we are right now in present time. Because we live in today, we don't live in yesterday. And I think there's a couple questions that we need to ask ourselves and we need to find answers to. And I'm not going to provide these answers for you, but I want you to write them down because I think that it's appropriate for you to answer these questions when you get alone by yourself about looking around. And those questions are, where are you in your life right now and why? As you look back, you'll recognize that there's many things that have brought you to the place where you are. So the question is, where are you in your life right now, and why are you there? And as you, as you look around, there's a very important question, and that is, what are you currently investing in? Today, what are you currently investing in? Now, your mind may go a million different ways. Maybe you have to sit down and think about it. This is not just purely financial, but it could be financial. But what are you investing in? What are you giving time and energy and attention to? And as you look around, it's very appropriate, especially as we enter into a new year, to look ahead. Now, we don't want to get stuck in just looking in the future because we live in today. But as we look into the future, we need to ask ourselves two other questions. And the first question is, what do you desire for your future? And as you look ahead, the more important question to answer is, what does God desire for you for your future? So... We took time, I took time in developing this message to sit down and to think about these three things. 
First, to think about them in my life personally, to think about looking back, looking around, and looking forward. And here's what I realized. This is the third rendition of this message that I have had. I have actually literally written this message, and I tossed everything, and I wrote it again, and then I had to reshuffle and reorder, because what I felt like God wanted to share with us was the fact of it's not just about looking back, it's not just about looking around, it's not just about looking in the future. There's something very important that God wants to share with us. And there's three truths that I realized as I did this process, and you'll probably realize the same thing, there's three truths that all of us live by. They're principles that are in motion, in life, and it is something that you cannot escape. And the three truths are this. The first one is life happens. Life happens. As you look back and you recount all of the things that have happened over the last 12 months of your life, what you will realize is there are some things and some experiences and stuff that has happened that you can only attribute to life. It's just part of life. Growing older is part of life. There are many things that we would like to draw a dotted line back to God or like to draw a dotted line back to cause and effect or whatnot, but really, there's many things that we experience in life that are just life. It's part of the world that we live in. Now, the second truth is this, and this is far more happy than just life happens. The second truth is that God loves his children and he performs miracles. God gives gifts. Maybe that's a better way to say it. As you look back over the last 12 months of your life, you're going to see that there are things in your life that you can only attribute to God. Things in your life that you're like, I didn't earn this. I didn't deserve this. I didn't work for this. It's far bigger than just life happening. This is a God factor. God did this. And that's the greatest things that we could experience in our life. Those are the things that you're like, man, I love this. This is great. I wish I had more of these things. God is a gift giver, and he loves giving gifts to his children. He performs miracles in our lives. And I hope that as you look back over the last 12 months, you will see many of those in your life. But I don't want to talk necessarily about those two things, and here's why. Because none of us control life, do we? We don't control the things that happen to us specifically we do not hold the strings of this world and then determine how everything plays out. When we talk about life, life happens. It just happens. It's been set in motion. And what we know is we live in a fallen world, right? And so there's going to be a lot of difficulties and a lot of trials and a lot of tribulations. There's going to be a lot of wonderful, beautiful blessings and things that we get to experience. But we don't control that, right? Okay, so none of us control life. Does anybody control God? We don't control God, do we? Now, I believe that the Bible and Scripture is very explicit that says we could come to petition the Lord. We could come with our hopes and with our dreams and with our desires. But the reality of the situation is, is God is God, and none of us as well hold the strings to Him. We do not force Him or make Him perform miracles or give gifts. The good news is this. He loves to do those things for His children. He loves to give gifts. He loves to shower blessings upon His people. However, we don't control how or when or why or where that happens. But there is one truth that we live by, one principle in this world that I realized as I look back over the last 12 months of my life that is the overwhelming 
reality of why I experience what I experience. I experience God factors, I experience life factors, but the overwhelming grouping of my experience fell into the category of you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. This is an area that we do control. While we don't control God and we don't control life, we do control what we sow. So I want to jump into scripture at this point, and I want to share with you what God has been sharing with me, what he's been downloading to me, and I hope that as we enter into a new year, and as we stand here in today, that we can assess our lives and we can trust God to be a great blesser. We can trust life to be life, but we can also hold on to a very great understanding and principle, a biblical principle and understanding that you reap what you sow. So we're going to jump into 2 Corinthians, if you guys have your Bible, we're going to jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 6 and go to the end of the chapter. It's only 15 verses. If you have been around church for any amount of time, especially if you grew up in church, you're going to recognize this teaching. In my Bible, it's titled The Cheerful Giver. The Cheerful Giver. Now, I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence. I don't want to insult any person in this room. I realize this is a very elementary teaching of faith and of Christianity and of what we believe, but here's what I also understand. With the pace of life that we live, with the speed of how things are happening, and the fact that we have all agreed, and I saw so many heads nod at the beginning of this service, that we agree with how fast stuff is going on, the elementary teachings quite often are the first things that we lose in the process. We're pulled in so many different directions. We're doing so many different things. We're trying to just make it and survive and love our family while we're doing it, and raise our kids up appropriately, and go from here to there, and move up the ladder, and do all of these different things that sometimes the elementary teachings are the things that slip past through the cracks. So I felt like the Lord said, bring it back around to the simple things. So we're going to start 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. I'm going to be reading out of the new, what am I reading out of? <laughs> ESV. For some reason, my mind went blank. There's too many versions of the Bible. It says this, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You've probably heard that before. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. I think that God wants us to hold on to this truth. In fact, I believe that there's a principle that's taught just in one verse of this chapter 
And it's verse 6 that all of us need to hold on to very tightly as we enter into the new year, and it is this. Verse 6 says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Who wants to have a blessed 2014? If you don't raise your hand, you are a fool. (laughs) I think we all want to have a blessed 2014, right? I think as we enter into a new year, it's a great opportunity for us to say, you know what, as I enter into this new time, it's a great, a, great, uh, a great starting point for many new things and many new blessings and many new wonderful things that God has in store for our life. But there is a principle as we enter into 2014 that goes far greater than just relying on life to be life or relying on God to perform miracles. And that principle is, is that you reap what you sow. Therefore, today... The seeds that you plant, you will reap in the future. Verse 6 tells us in chapter, chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, it tells us that if you sow sparingly today, you will reap sparingly tomorrow. If you sow bountifully today, you will reap bountifully tomorrow. Well, this idea of reaping and sowing is, is quite foreign, I think, to most of us because most of us are not farmers, right? In fact, I would be willing to say that probably none of us are farmers in this room. Maybe you are, wonderful, and you're going to grasp this far greater than any of us. But here's the way that I thought, of, thought about this. Because I'm not a farmer and I didn't grow up on a farm and I don't really know any farmers. Here's how I thought about this. If I wanted to grow an apple tree because I wanted apples, then what I would do is I would go and I would find an apple seed, quite possibly in an apple, and I would go and I would plant that apple seed in my backyard and I would water it and over time, eventually, an apple tree would grow. Now, I know many of us would probably go to Home Depot or we'd go to one of these nurseries and we'd buy a tree that's already grown, at least partially, but I promise you, trees don't start that way, okay? They do all start as seeds. If I want an apple tree, I go plant an apple seed, right? Now, if I want an apple tree, do I go plant an orange seed or a peach seed? No, if I want an apple tree, I plant an apple seed, right? If I want an apple tree and I want it really, 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 really bad, do I just hope that one day I'm going to walk out my backyard and boom, an apple tree is going to be there? Now, I could do that, but I think quite honestly, all of you would be like, that's foolish. So let me take it to a whole new level. Then I'm not just going to let life bring me an apple tree, right? Here's the level that I'm going to take it to. I'm going to have such great faith in God's ability to perform miracles that every morning when I wake up, I'm going to pray, God, I want an apple tree in my backyard. And every morning when I wake up and I go down the stairs and I walk out into my backyard and I look, I'm going to hope there's an apple tree there. Now, can God do that? I would hope that all of us would agree that he can do that, right? God can perform miracles and that would be a miracle. Or it could be that my neighbor planted an apple tree, I don't know, in my backyard, who knows? But I think all of us would also agree that to live our lives based upon having to have God perform a miracle to do this thing is foolishness. For me to wake up every morning and say, God, I want an apple tree, and walk in my backyard and just hope that there's an apple tree, a fully formed apple tree that I can walk out there and I can pick an apple from and I can eat it, would be foolish. I can't live my life just saying, well, I guess God has to perform a miracle for this to happen. Right? So there's only one other option. If I want an apple tree, I need to go plant a seed, and I need to water it. 
and I need to watch it grow. And one day, because of the seed that I planted, I will actually have an apple tree in my backyard, and I will be able to walk out there, and I will be able to pick an apple, and I will be able to enjoy the fruit of that tree. But it all started by planting a seed. And this is what the Bible is telling us at this place for us in our lives. It is saying, you reap what you sow. Do you want blessings in your life? Then sow seeds of faithfulness. Do you want the people around you to speak nicely to you, to be loving? Then speak words of blessing and encouragement and love and life to them because you're planting seeds. Do you want to move up the corporate ladder and do you want to move forward in your job? Then be faithful. Be a hard worker. Be somebody that sits and works and labors diligently. Right? It makes sense. Do you want to lose weight? Well, then start eating correctly. You see, there's a reality that we live in that if we want to have blessings, and all of us raised our hand to say we want 2014 to be a blessed year. In fact, I hope for every person in this room, it is the most blessed year that you'll ever experience. But I'll tell you what. You know what's going to make it the most blessed year? It's not going to be the fact that God just performed more miracles, although I hope he does. And it's not going to be the fact that life doesn't just throw you a bunch of curveballs as many as it has before, although I hope it doesn't. What's going to make your life in 2014, the most blessed year that you'll ever experience is the fact that you're planting seeds today to harvest later. Now, there's a really great bit of news in all of this. And that is that God does not just leave us responsible for doing everything. He recognizes that he's dealing with people like me who are idiots. So in verse 10, here's what what he does. It says, he, who's he? God. He who supplies seed to the sower. Stop. Wait a minute. I don't have to go find the seed. I don't have to go buy the seed. I don't have to go look for the seed. Who gives me the seed? God. He who supplies seed to the sower. Well, he's already taken part of this equation out. He's just going to give me the seed, right? Okay, so he gives me the seed. Let's keep going. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. And then this, this is where my mind explodes. And increase the harvest of your righteousness. God is so faithful to his children. He loves us so stinking much that he doesn't just let us be foolish people who have to go find seed and plant it in the ground and then water it and then hopefully have a little bitty harvest, right? Here's how faithful our Lord is. He will give you the seed to plant. He will show you the place to invest. He will open your hearts and your minds to say, this is what I want you to pour into. He will put it in your hands. And then what do we do? Here's our entire responsibility. Plant it. Plant it. You know what he does? When we forget to water it, he'll water it. Now, we should water it, absolutely. We should nurture it. We should love it. We should do these things. But all he wants us to really do is plant the seed. Because then he'll water it. And the coolest part is this, and this is where I said my brain will explode. I plant one seed, and he will turn it into a whole crop of reaping. How does it work? I don't know. But I love it. Our God is so loving and so faithful 
that he does require a partnership with us. He does want a relationship with us, and he does give us some responsibility in this process, and he is saying, if you want a blessed year, then I'm going to give you the seed, but I need you to plant it. But if you plant it, here's what I'll do. I will multiply the harvest. I think that's amazing that we have in our hands the ability to choose whether we want to walk into blessing and a harvest that is far greater than anything we could imagine, or whether we want to walk into very little and just be like, well, guess that's what life is going to bring me again. Guess God doesn't perform miracles. You see, that's foolishness. I talked about my daughter, Brahman. When she was born, she was born with this condition. It's called a congenital diaphragmatic hernia. Did God give that to her? No. Life gave that to her. It's part of the fact that we live in a fallen world where our bodies are not perfect. Right? And she was born with a body that was not perfect. Now, my wife and I had to capture every thought that went through our minds. Because there's a lot of unanswered questions, and there's a lot of difficulties, and there's a lot of stuff that we had to walk through during that time. We were responsible for what we thought and what we allowed to get into our heart, but the reality of the situation is that was life. Now, in a two-year process of time, though, we've seen God do some amazing things. God, I believe, 100% has healed our little girl. In fact, after the first few months of her life, when we were still walking through some of this process, we dedicated our daughter. And before we dedicated her, I wrote a blessing, and I sat down, and the Lord pointed out 11 specific things that I will claim are miracles in her life. And the reason I say that they're miracles is because there is no doctor that performs something to make this happen. There is nothing that we did. There is no faithfulness or righteousness or whatever of our own ability that created these situations. God intervened in her life. So in the same idea, we both experience life and we experience God. But this past year, we've also experienced, and I talked about it at the very beginning, we've also experienced a great reaping of relational investment in our life. Now, this is something that we felt like that the Lord, Amy and I, felt like the Lord specifically put on our hearts groupings of people that said, you know what? You need to invest in these people's lives. Invest in the friendships. Love on them. Don't go preach to everybody. Don't, you know, we don't have to go. It's not about teaching. It's not about, you know, how much can I grow you? It's about the fact of loving people. There's a group of people, that's probably the best way to say it. There's a group of people that God pointed out to us that said, I want you to love these people. Some of them go to church here. Some of them don't go to church here. Some of them are, they're all kind of scattered all around. But we did what God said for us to do. And we were faithful. We planted the seed. God showed us the seed. He gave us the seed. And what did we do? All we did, were we were faithful in planting it. We began to encourage relationship. Now, here's what I got to say to this. It is absolutely amazing what God does, despite foolishness and despite my failures and despite me being a human and sometimes not a very good friend. Here's what God did. There have been salvations People have come to the Lord through these investments this year. There has been great strength and growth. We've actually developed some of the some things that would be lifelong friendships and camaraderie with some of these people that I never knew that it could happen that way or that it would turn into this place. 
There's been great stability and strength and encouragement that's been brought to us walking through difficulties and heartaches because we decided to invest in what God told us to invest in and to plant the seeds, and God has turned it into something that we could never even have imagined. How much credit do we take for it? Very little. All we did was we planted the seed. He told us that that seed was to love these people, and then what did he do? He blew it up. The coolest part about this is that God wants to do this in all of our lives. Now, maybe it isn't just relational. God can do it in any area. And I don't want to specifically tell you what that looks like because as we understand in verse 10, God is the one that provides the seed. A pastor does not tell you what your seed is to plant. God does. But man, how often are we just running so fast through life that we don't take time to ask God what that seed is? that we don't take time to hear from him in the today. It is our responsibility to plant the seed. One more verse in chapter 9 that I think is really cool. It's verse 11. And this talks a little bit about present and future, but I believe that it, it reveals God's heart for us as we do this and as we walk it out and as we are faithful to do what he's called, and it says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. God will give everything that we need. He will give us everything that we need. In fact, he will give us so much that we can't hold on to it all. He will give us so much that we have the opportunity to be generous in other people's lives. Maybe that's through love. Maybe that's through encouragement. Maybe that's through blessing. Maybe that's financial. Maybe that's, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe that's opening a room in your house to somebody. I don't know what it looks like, but God is so faithful to bless us. When we are faithful to him, he will give us the seed, and he will give us the food that we need. He will give us everything that is required, but he will not just give us what we need. He will give us so much in abundance that we are to be generous, and that generosity is then multiplied to encourage the faith of all people. Right? He doesn't just want to stop and say, you plant the seed, I'll multiply it, then you harvest, and you figure out how much you could shove in that bag and take home with you. It's about how much we can also share that with other people and be generous. And it's through that that I believe God also allows seeds to be planted in other people's lives, to change their destiny and their eternity, to do things that we could never do on our own. I'm going to invite our worship team up here, and we're going to close. This is a very, to me at least, personally, this is a very challenging word. Because what I recognize is that the future blessings that I want to reap in my life, I hold right now the key to actually unlocking and allowing those things. And I'll tell you what, this goes both ways. If I see, if I sow seeds of destruction and strife, what do I reap on the other side? I reap exactly what I've sown. And quite often, I don't even recognize the seeds that I'm planting because I don't take time to actually think about it. 
Quite often, I plant seeds that I have reaped in my life. I gave you a really nice list of things that have happened in my life in 2013. Well, there's been a lot of junk that's happened too. And much of it is because I sowed seeds that I reaped. And I didn't really enjoy reaping some of those things. But what God is challenging us, he is saying, I have given you a grouping of seeds that I want you to plant that will come, and when they come to full life, I will give you more than you could ever imagine in blessings. I will give you a harvest that will blow your mind. The reality of the situation, though, is this. What you sow today, you will reap tomorrow. Now, tomorrow may not happen tomorrow. I know we live in the microwave society, and I'm the same way. I want to go out in my backyard and plant an apple tree and go to sleep and wake up the next morning and go pick an apple and eat it for breakfast. Doesn't really always happen that way. Quite often, actually, in Galatians, we don't even have time to go into this, but Galatians chapter 6 tells us, just wait on it. If I've given you the seed and you've been faithful to plant it, you wait because it will grow and you'll produce a harvest. Sometimes it takes a day, sometimes it takes a week, sometimes it takes a month, sometimes it takes a year, sometimes it takes years. But God is faithful to allow it to grow, and he will give you the harvest. But you gotta plant the seed. What you sow today, you will reap tomorrow. Do not walk out of this room without remembering what you sow today, you will reap tomorrow. And I literally mean today. The seeds that you sow right now as you sit in this chair or as you stand and you worship, you will reap in 2014. You will. What do you want to reap? You get to choose. Pastor Jonathan's going to lead us in worship. And I want to encourage you to ask the Lord if you do not know. First of all, if you have not spent time looking back at the things that you have reaped and sown in the last 12 months, do it. If you have not heard or do not know what God wants you to plant, though, it's very imperative to hear and then to do, not to just guess. And then for the future, well, what do we do? We trust. We trust Him. Trust that the seed that we sowed today will produce a great harvest later. We don't live in the past and we don't live in the future. We live today. What are you planting today? So as he leads in worship, we also got communion, wine here at the front, juice at the crosses. We have the crosses, we have the candles, and we have prayer. We have all of these areas for response. But I think it's very imperative that we hear from the Lord today. That we know what is the seed. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you. We say thank you for your many blessings, Lord God. And God, we praise you through the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, Lord God. We lift you up in glory and honor, Father, through the hurdles that we've had to jump over, Lord God, and then the blessings that you've taken and carried us over so many great valleys that we didn't have to walk through. God, you are so good to your children. But what we say today, Lord, is that we will partner with you in what you have called us to do, Lord God. 
God, I pray that every person in this room would hear your voice very clearly and that they would recognize that in their hands, they control the ability for blessing in the year that is in front of us, Lord God. That you desire for us to plant the seed. And God, at that point, our control is over. It's all about you. But we choose to plant and we trust in faith for you to be who you say you are. And God, in faith, we praise you for the wonderful things that will happen in 2014, Lord, in our lives. God, I thank you. Thank you for your blessings ahead of time. I thank you. I say I love you, Lord God. We love you. We lift the name of Jesus high above all others. In your name we pray. Everyone said amen. Would you stand to your feet, worship, and respond as God is putting upon your hearts.